1: We're gonna cause trouble. Scott Farrell is calling the shots from the sideline. We're gonna make fun of people. We're gonna hurt people's feelings. It's Farrell on the bench. I believe in whipped cream with everything. So, Farrell uh, on the bench. Hour number two. I actually uh, just saw. The craziest thing I, I think I've seen yet uh, that New York City is now pulling people over without out state plates. So if you have New Jersey, Connecticut, whatever, Virginia, Pennsylvania, any, any of them, Massachusetts, if you go into New York City with out-of-state plates, you're going to get pulled over and you're gonna get quarantined when you go home. They are, they've lost their minds. They've now lost their minds. So you're telling me I can't go to New York City as a, like, can you imagine, that, do you know how many people live in the tri-state area in 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 Connecticut, in New Jersey and New York, that the two, the two, Connecticut and New Jersey alone, do you know how many people from Connecticut and New Jersey go to New York City every day to work? <laughs> They're going to pull everybody over and make them quarantine for 14 days. (laughs) Like good Pharrellin luck. Good luck with that. Whose idea was that? Cuomo, uh, the guy that had the greatest string of great ideas in the entire COVID five and a half months. He's had the most success. He and, uh, you know, Gavin Newsom in California and Andrew Cuomo got famous because of it. And then now de Blasio and Cuomo, I don't know whose brilliant idea this was. They're going to quarantine people that are out of state that come to New York City. Well, then, why ever go to New York City again? For anything, ever. Why would you ever want to go there? Who's going to go there when they're going to get quarantined for 14 days? Good luck getting me to go to New York City now. Good luck. This is their warning. Warning, Scott. I'm sending it over the bow right now. I'm not going there ever again. So good luck getting me to go to Midtown.
2: Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams. And I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In With Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys. And I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life. So I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man, We, we gonna learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is gonna be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In With Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In With Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: All right, so um, Dodgers are up 7-2 on the Padres in the sixth. Cubs 6-1 over the Royals in the bottom of the ninth. They're going to win. Giants lead bottom eight in Colorado 4-3. Rockies have a runner at first two outs. Uh, Diamondbacks up 11-6 on the Astros after five innings. Rangers lead the A's 4-3 after six in Oakland. Seattle at home leads the Angels 4-1, bottom five, runner at first. The Phillies took game one against the Yankees. They play these seven-inning doubleheaders. They took game one 11-7. Game two, the Yankees, they won. Three to one. And then uh, the Red Sox, five-zip over the Rays. Twins, five-two over the Pirates. Marlins played a doubleheader with the Orioles. They won both games. They swept. I said on coast to coast today I'd keel over if they won both because I'd be so shocked that they've been out a week and a half, whatever, because of the COVID. The whole team had COVID. And then they finally get back on the field. They go to Baltimore, to Camden, and they sweep the uh, Orioles in a doubleheader after they won four-zip yesterday in their first game back. First game back, they won 4-zip. Second uh, game, they won, uh, well, I guess, one nothing. And then uh, game two, they beat them 2-1. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> they're winning every game they play. It really is. I mean, how crazy is that, that this, like, double-A baseball team, that's what they are. It's like a double-A team, and they're playing in the show. And they're winning every game they play, even after they all got sick with the COVID and were done and shut down for a week and a half. Whatever. I don't even know how long. Was it a week and a half, Mafia? I think it was something like that. So they were the yeah, original. Yeah, it was like just under that.
3: Because they, they played they, on Sunday, and then they played again on Tuesday. So like a week and two days.
1: So there you go. So that, is that not crazy, how that team's playing? Don Mattingly's got a double-A team kicking everyone's ass in uh, baseball. The Especially Nationals... because if you
3: look at it, Scott, like you have the, like, this team that they brought up. It's not like you have the minor leagues playing right now where these guys are out there and they're hitting every day. I know they have like extending spring training or whatever they're doing to keep these guys in somewhat of playing shape, these backup guys, but what, what are they really doing to be ready to come in and play? And then they got to wait even after they get the word, like, hey, you're coming up to play. Uh, we'll see right. you next week. And then they come up and start mashing the ball and scoring runs.
1: It's crazy, right? And then, um, so I was saying the Nationals, they played um, the Mets tonight, and Max Scherzer left after the first inning. All I heard, Mafia, was is that his velocity was way down, and obviously something was wrong, and he left the game. Uh, Do you know anything else about what happened there? I know that. They said that his numbers, his uh, fastball was dropping. Yeah, they said
3: he had a tweaked hamstring and uh, I think he came out after the game and said it was nothing big, you know, you know, we'll see, should be back for next game, just probably pulled out of an abundance of caution, but we'll see how that goes the next couple of days.
1: Oh so, uh is that the truth then? It's just a a slight hammy pull and that's it?
3: That's what they claim.
1: Well, there you go. That's better than his arms falling off and that he's got something wrong with his elbow, right? When I see pitchers uh, come out of games in the first inning and they have no velocity, I start worrying real quick. Trust me. Is that not the truth? And especially like just with Otani, right? Otani's numbers were way off. And then they yanked him. Then they sent him for an MRI. And that was when I said uh, he won't pitch again. I was on coast to coast and Pharrell on the bench. And I said, he won't pitch again. And then sure enough, Now they're saying he's not pitching again the rest of the year. And I said today on coast to coast, I'll say it right now. I have my reservations, whether he'll ever pitch again. Not because he's, you know, numbers are dropping and there's something wrong. And, you know, who knows if he's got something major going on in his arm, who knows what it is, shoulder elbow, who knows could be a, Flexor, tendon, it could be whatever, forearm strain, whoever, uh, you know, they'll come up with something. But here's the deal it's uh, the guy's a great, right? He's like a, I think he's a fascinating sort. I think he, you know, pitches very well. He's got nasty stuff and he's got great movement on his stuff, but he's obviously not pitching well. And his velocity is way down. He's just completely not himself. Something's wrong. And then at the same time, he's a a home run hitter. The guy can stroke the ball. He can really play baseball. He pitches and hits. That's crazy, right? But now I think it's pretty obvious that they're going to let him DH. They're going to let him hit. And the guy, I think he's more valuable as a hitter, right, than he is a – pitcher because he pitches every five days or he uh gets five at bats every day i think the numbers uh are pretty simple they they far outweigh pitching one day a week than hitting that many times a week i mean you're talking about 35 40 at bats a week right
3: right especially when you're in a shortened season so instead of making 30 starts in a year now you're making 10 it's a lot bigger impact playing every day than pitching 10 times
1: And so my thing is let him hit and just stop pitching him. And then my other point is what's the point of ever letting him pitch again if his arm's going to fall off? If if he's got something wrong where he can't pitch because pitching's different, obviously, than hitting. I mean, he goes up there and he, he sees it and he swings at it and he hits it and he either gets a piece of it and drives it out or he doesn't. He either gets on base or he doesn't. But in pitching, you, you put some serious strain on your shoulder and arm, right? It's People think that it's uh, – that's the thing. I think people think that the average fan just thinks that these guys almost are like robots, right, that the guy can just walk on the mound and, and sit there and throw, you know, four or five different pitches or even try to throw in the 90s because nowadays – If you don't throw in the 90s, you're not, like, making it, right? You're not going to make it to the show. If you don't throw with consistency, high velocity, with speed, if you can't throw a fastball at least in 91 miles an hour, at least, right? Like, bottom line, they're going to – unless you're a knuckleball pitcher, which are, you know, few and far between, very rare. And then some guys, I guess, just throw – sliders and whatever. but if you can't throw a fastball, it's just that simple. What's the point of doing it? <laughs> if, if people don't realize how hard it is to throw over and over again, just consistently over and over again for a hundred pitches. let's say because nowadays with the 60 gamer they're letting them throw 60 80 pitches, right? Some some teams are limiting their pitchers to that, and that's all there is to it. But the deal is this. In a regular season, like in a regular outing, it'd be about 100 pitches, right? That's the limit on most teams. They all have this this bizarre number of 100 that they live on. I don't know if some of them have changed. That's neither here nor there. My point is, if you throw 100 pitches, let's say you throw 90 pitches. Bottom line is, try throwing you know 70 fastballs in a row or whatever over over seven or eight innings try it try going out and standing on a hill and throwing 90 miles an hour uh for seven innings let's see you do it your your entire body you'd be in an ice bucket <laughs> you would be when the, when the game was over if you tried to do that one time you would literally be in a sling covered with ice for like Eight hours and they'd find you with a morphine needle in your arm because your whole body would be in atrophy and you'd be seized up. You couldn't do it. People think you can do that. Oh, I can do that. I can throw 90 for like two hours straight. No, you can't. You just think you can because you're a fat ass and you sit on your sofa all day drinking beer and smoking doobies, watching these guys throw 90. And then when their arm falls off, you're like, oh, he's a wussy or Thank God it's his hammy. I don't like those either.
0: Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home.
1: Uh, we lost the video I have no idea what's happening I don't even I can't even deal with it I have no clue so whatever um I was looking at um, this story and uh, I just it, it's it's unbelievable five pitchers combined on a four header is uh, uh Marlins beat the Orioles for the double header sweep. Brian Anderson homered in the opener and Miami won 1-0 despite getting only two hits in the game. The, uh, the sweep kept the Marlins in first place in the NL East and earned Mattingly his 281st win as Miami's manager, tying Jack McKeon's club record. I mean, that's Unbelievable. The doubleheader was strange. Not only were both games seven innings, but the Orioles were the home team in the open and the Marlins were the home team in the nightcap. The Marlins won their third straight game since emerging from the uh, COVID layoff that left them uh, with call-ups, free agents, and rookies uh, playing. Miami has allowed a total of one run and 10 hits in three games at Camden. (laughs) I mean, it's unbelievable. So, in the nightcap, John Birdie hit an RBI double in the first inning and scored on a fly ball by uh, Jesus Aguilar. It proved to be enough for the Marlins. <laughs> it's unbelievable. In the opener, Anderson produced the game's long run with an outfield field uh, drive to right off Alex Cobb. It's unbelievable. It it really is. They have all these rookies playing. Outfielder Monty Harrison got his first taste of the big leagues uh, last night. And second baseman Eddie Alvarez, a silver medalist, the U.S. Olympic speed skater in 2014, joined the team tonight. They both are still looking for their first hit, but they're playing. And they got guys that uh, they've had this and that. Got Matt Joyce has been, uh, he missed all of camp with coronavirus, said his tests have come back negative. He continues to observe protocols. He came off the injured list, Matt Joyce, on uh, Tuesday. And uh john means the left-hander was placed on a bereavement list we still got Jamavia. (laughs) yeah i'm here Uh, thank god because i'm hearing all kinds of things in my ears are you hearing this (laughs) like uh anyway uh, i just think it's incredible the story about uh the marlins uh i can't even It's just absolutely crazy. And then I think the Cubs, the Cubs won their 10th straight or or their 10th game, not their 10th straight, but their 10th game. And uh, they just keep doing it. Six one over the Royals tonight. And they did it again. Baez single to right, uh, tied the game up in the fourth. Contreras grounded into a double play, uh, Rizzo scored. It was 2-1. Bias single to right in the eighth. Uh Rizzo uh went to a second. Bryant scored on that one. Another RBI for Bias. Contreras single to deep right. Rizzo scored. Uh, you know, Carantini single to right, Hap scored. I mean, they just kept scoring. That was in the ninth. Bryant single to center. Carantini scored on a fielding error by the center fielder uh Merrifield. I mean, they are just pouring it on. Bryant, two hits. Rizzo, two hits. Baez, two hits. Uh, Carantini, the catcher, two hits. They got it going on. I'll tell you what. The Braves uh, lost to the Blue Jays. Do you think, with all their problems with injuries and everything that's going on, Mafia, that they'll start falling off, or do you think they'll be able to have somebody step up and just keep moving on and being a good team? You think the Braves' problems are going to catch up to them?
3: I think eventually they might start catching up. When you lose, you know, a starting pitcher like Soroka, the guy who's just the ace of your staff, I know they have you know some good pitchers behind him, but that's a big loss there. Even in a shortened season, some of these other guys are starting to get nicked up right now. It might be hard in this division where it's getting. I mean, at least in this division, it's kind of up and down right now. Like all of a sudden, you said, you know, the Marlins are playing great. Phillies have struggled. The Nats are, you know, out to some kind of world-beater status right now, losing to the Mets, you know, two in a row. So they can still hang around, but eventually, those are going to add up if they don't get some people back.
1: Yeah. Anyway, uh, I see people uh, saying that I've disappeared. <laughs> uh, anyway, Boston 133-104 over Brooklyn. Uh, and this is the team that should have showed up against the Bucks, the one that cost everybody all the money. So the Pirates continue to lose. They lose every night. Uh, the Twins beat them uh, 5-2. Giants just checked in with a 4-3 win over the Rockies. But uh, Dobnak dominated in his homecoming, allowing three hits of six innings. As the uh, Twins, who are streaking, beat the Pirates, who are anything but streaking. The listless Pirates, they call them. It's unbelievable. Uh, Marwin Gonzalez went two for four with two RBIs for Minnesota. Max Kepler gave Minnesota a breathing room the night with a three-run homer. Uh, It's just unbelievable. A year after uh, they win 101 games and the central title with 307 home runs, they're uh, doing the same thing. They're relying uh, on pitching, though, and defense to get by this year, at the very least. And then facing the worst team and the worst hitting team in the nationally help. Seven of Pittsburgh's nine starters tonight entered the game hitting under uh, 200, and the team's batting average is 189. They suck. Trevor Williams became the first Pirate to pitch seven innings, he allowed just one run. So he did a lot better than I thought he would. I'll give you that, um, you know, bullpen is terrible. You name it. They can't score runs. They're hitting 189 as a team. They are awful. So, and the Twins have just been kicking their ass in this series. As for uh, the Red Sox, they beat the Rays 5 nothing. I mean, it's unbelievable to me that they're 4-8. and But every time I turn around, they're having a big night, the Red Sox. How, how are you four and eight but you have all these bats and you win games like I don't understand am I am I missing something here so I guess it was after the Yankees swept them that was their problem right but uh Martin Perez pitched out of trouble all night Alex verdugo and uh, Michael Chavez uh Homer to help the Red Sox uh snap a four game skid so I guess they were losing a lot I know they got bats. Tampa Bay, though, how about them? They were, uh, a lot of people thought they were going to the World Series, and you never know, they still might. It could get hot, but they dropped six of seven. They scored uh, 18 runs in that stretch. The Rays are five and seven. They've trailed in 11 of 12 games this season, including their last 10 games. They trailed in all those games. Verdugo can really hit left-handers. He had a two-run homer off the lefty Yarbrough uh, that opened the scoring in the fourth. The left-handers hitting are he's um, 38 for 150, hitting 330 when facing lefties since the start of last season. I was watching him when they played the Yankees, and they were talking about how dangerous he is with uh, left-handers. That he, you know, he's a left-handed hitter, and he can hit lefties. So, not bad there. They needed that win. I'll give you that much. I know in the loss in game one of uh, the game in Philadelphia with the Phillies and uh, Yankees, I know in that game that uh, your boy all rise, Aaron Judge, home run, home run. That guy uh, hit a 371-foot shot. Anyway, in the seventh inning, they were down already in that game. But I mean, the guy's got, what, seven home runs in 10 games. He's just popping it. They lost that game to the Phillies, though. So what does it matter? You can hit all the home runs you want if you don't win. But the Yankees still have been uh, phenomenal in terms of uh, their record. Uh, they did win their ninth in the nightcap. For on a bench, uh, I wanted to do a, a quick uh look out to Lipstick City and see if we could catch up with Aaron Torres of Fox and uh the Aaron Torres podcast. I saw earlier that he put a uh it would appear he put a bocce jinx on <laughs> on Jake Paul, who had his home raided by the FBI. And now I saw that on your Twitter. I don't know anything. I know the guy boxes people. Uh, but I'm not I'm not that desperate in life too in my in my end of things over here I'm old all I do is play basketball but I have no idea who this guy is what I know he's some like internet sensation or something I know he boxes people I know uh my kids know who he is but, but why did they raid his house
4: Uh, Scotty, first of all, great to be on with you. And your description of him is literally, uh, my description of him. So I am not in his uh, age demographic, but on that Tyson Roy Jones undercard, he is fighting Nate Robinson, the former uh, NBA slam dunk champion. So, you know, a real clash of the Titans. And I was offered up the opportunity to interview both of them. I did so last Wednesday and a week later, I don't know if they heard something on that interview or what, but, uh, but, yeah, the house was raided. I really, I, I really don't know much, and it's funny that you say your kids know because when, uh, when my interview got posted, I mean, my nieces and nephews and pretty much everyone I know under the age of 16, which is like four people that I'm directly related to, all texted me and said, I can't believe you got an interview with him, uh, and I still have no idea exactly what this guy does. But, yeah, unfortunate <sighs> circumstances. Don't know if it came from my podcast directly. I don't know if he said something that tipped off the feds, but uh, but yeah, could be going to jail. I don't really know.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. What did you think? Uh, and I, I wanna, I wanna do college football, and then I wanna, at the very least, mention college basketball at the end. Here we got one segment, so uh, let's start with uh, college football. First of all, what's your opinion of? Uh, I know a bunch of UCLA players got it today. And then uh, but I think the bigger issue is what's going on in the Pac-12 with all these uh, basically, isn't it football players are the ones that are protesting or or they're the ones that want all this health insurance and they want uh, they want all kinds of things that I'm frankly, uh, Aaron, they're not going to get. I mean, what these schools are going to start giving these kids individual health insurance plans to play football. When is that going to happen when health freezes over?
4: Well, yes, Scotty. I mean, long story short, it was this long list of demands that came out over the course of this weekend. And the equivalent that I said, first of all, a lot of the stuff is already in place, right? Like you can keep your scholarship if if you don't want to play this year. That was never uh, up for debate. Um, You know, uh, name image likeness stuff is potentially coming in the next year. Uh, The Pac-12 cannot expedite that process any faster than it's already going and the rest of the stuff, you know, the equivalent I made is, is, you know, it's going to uh, a bank. It's it's cashing a, a $500 check and demanding that you get paid in $200 bills. Like, doesn't no matter how much you yell and how much you scream, there's no $200 bills to give you. They, they don't exist. And so I think the thing that caught most people uh, as part of that, uh, you know, kind of quote-unquote protest or whatever was that they want, uh, revenue share. And it's it's just not going to happen. It, it's first of all, it breaks federal law with title nine. Um, and second of all, college athletics as we know it, uh, would cease to exist. So, you know, for the, for the crowd that wants college athletes to get more, there is going to be that potential down the line with name image likeness. But like you said, some of the, some of the health benefits are just not feasible. I would add that specifically in PAC 12 country, these guys have access to some of the best medical facilities in the world you know, this UCLA medical center is one of the best medical centers in the world, Stanford, Cal, et cetera, university of Washington. So, uh, it was, it was, I understand young guys wanting to express their voice. I even to a degree understand them feeling like they deserve more, but to your point, there's, there's some stuff that's already going to happen and there's some stuff that just isn't going to happen no matter how much they
1: protest. So you're a Yukon guy, right? Like what happened there? Cool. Are you surprised at all that?
4: So, real quick, for people who don't know, UConn, um, this season, this, this is the first season, they're an independent football program um, because they were uh, in, uh, you know, they wanted to get the basketball teams back to the Big East, but of course the Big East doesn't have a football conference, and so they went independent. Obviously, there's no way you could ever foresee the situation coming with COVID, and so. I think it's a couple things. One, first of all, four of their games had already been canceled, two against the Big Ten, one against the SEC, and they had an FCS opponent, which it, which isn't having a season. Uh, so four games are canceled. Two more are probably going to be canceled because, again, they're an independent. They're playing all over the country. And I think the school realistically just looked at it and said, we're not going to be able to make up these games. We're not going to be able to get the quality of opponent on the schedule. The big programs that we were going to pay, we were expecting a paycheck from Ole Miss, from a few other schools. It's not going to happen. And I think it was largely, you know, I, I saw the press release, and, you know, that, that you know, it was the players all decided as a group and blah, 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 blah. Scotty, you've been around athletes long enough like I have. It, it wasn't all 85 guys that wanted out. The reality is I think the school made the decision. I think it was going to be really hard to put together a football season. But I do think some of it was financially motivated. I mean, when you're talking about taking every Power Five uh, conference team off the schedule, schedule isn't that enticing. You're scrambling to get games. And I just think it was one of those deals where they looked around and they said, look, you know, are are we going to keep these guys on campus testing multiple times a week to play you know, four, five, six games, and who knows if those games will get played. Are we going to keep them on campus another six weeks before we can even play week one uh, if it's possible that these games may get continue to get pushed back, postponed, canceled, whatever. So to answer your question, it was a little bit surprising when it happened this morning, but even as somebody who's just a fan and an alum of the school, when I really kind of peel back the layers, I, I honestly don't know that I was that surprised. I really, I'm really not.
1: Did you uh, – I, I don't know. I was looking for it. I don't know if I can find it right now because I'm not that smart. But I saw the Big Ten release their schedules. Uh, I don't know if that excites you at all. And what did you think of the Colorado State story? Uh, were you – because a lot of people said that uh, – the what? A bunch of players said that it, none of it's true. What, what do you believe?
4: Yeah, Scotty, you know, I, I don't know when, when you're prepping for the show – how much time that, that you spend on social media, you know, I find myself on it less and less. And um, you know, the, the, the Colorado state story, like, look, there were multiple people that I understand if, if they believe that this happened, didn't want to put their name on this But then immediately, I mean, immediately, Scotty, you know, three, four, five players come out and say it isn't true. And it just feels like we get two, three of these stories every week. I mean, two days ago, Gary Patterson, for like a nice little 20-minute window, was the biggest racist in the world. And then you see that, um, you know, maybe he used a word that he shouldn't have used. But um, given the context, a lot of his players came to his defense a couple days before that was the Washington state deal where the player thought that he was getting kicked off the team for being part of the protest. Right. And so what I find more and more is these stories break. They happen. But there's two sides to every story. I, I would say in general, the people that I've talked to around college sports, basketball, and football, like they understand what's at stake here. Like, like they want their kids to be safe. They want their kids to be healthy, but they also understand the consequences if they cut corners or whatever. And so any of these, you know, this isn't concussions in 1992 or even 2002. I mean, this is all new and they, you know, these guys all are pretty smart in terms of knowing, you know, that their careers could frankly be on the line if anything happens to one of their players. So I would tell people to proceed with caution Uh, with anything COVID related, not because players aren't going to get it. They are not because it's not scary. It is, but because I do believe that for the most part, Is there going to be a rogue school or a rogue coach or a rogue uh, operations guy? that maybe wants to push the boundaries maybe but i think most of these guys understand like dude there's a lot at stake here uh we're under a microscope our protocols our doctors are under a microscope uh we're gonna side on the side of caution as a matter of fact i'll just say really quick i'll throw it back to you scotty is like that that's been the the buzz and kind of the conversation that i've had is is if anything guys are following the protocols to a T. You know, erring on the side of caution more than they are, uh, you know, hey, we got to we got to fight through this. We'll be fine. That's not what I'm hearing at all from most of these schools.
1: So uh, more importantly, Aaron Torres uh, with us, Uh your your college basketball (laughs) rankings came out. And I think that that's. Uh, That's crucial, I think, because, you know, we have no idea what's going to happen with football. I have to at least keep uh, I have to cling to the thought that we can play college basketball and have an NCAA tournament this year. But I see that you have Nova, Gonzaga, Baylor, Virginia and Illinois, your top five. And then you put Luca Garza and Iowa at sixth then Duke (laughs) seven, whiskey eight, Kentucky nine and the Bruins, Mick Cronin at number 10 yep. and you did a top 25 all the way down to i believe arizona state uh was in that top 25 and then uh somewhere along the line it was like memphis i don't I'm know who was la-
4: indiana scotty yeah There's i was that gonna that
1: ask that you one. why you shafted my hoosiers i really was that was what i was gonna ask you
4: I know. It's okay. Listen, I'll tell you, they they were right on the cusp and and I'll tell you this. I actually like Archie Miller. I actually, you know, I I don't know how much you remember or, you know, that Joe Lenardi stuff. I was actually on his side on it. Uh, I I think they would have made the tournament had a tournament been played. I think he's got the program trending in the right direction. They were right on the cusp, man. They were right on the cusp. I'll tell you the big 10 for basketball should have had the chance to be really, really, really good this year. Illinois basically returns their whole roster off a good team. Iowa returned their whole roster, and we know in college basketball that doesn't generally happen uh, for good teams. But I will say, like I, you know, weirdly, I, I don't want I don't want to say this COVID thing helped the sport, but I think a lot of guys that were on the cusp just decided, you know what? There's so much uncertainty with the NBA, with the G League. Let me just come back to school for a year. But I'm telling you. Best year of the Archie Miller era coming up here. I think Indiana is going to be really, really, really good. Uh, they were just right on the outside looking in. So.
1: Yeah, I, the kid from, uh, I want to watch the kid uh, from Evansville, Ritz. He's just a great guard that they got. I can't wait to watch him uh, play. He's fast as a lightning bolt. I loved, I saw all of his uh, high school playoffs and all of his high school career uh, videos. Uh, this kid can uh, flat out play, and he was supposed to go next year, uh, the year after, but mm-hmm. he's playing this year. So uh, I'm stoked. I think that. Uh, they have a shot. If you have a great point guard and anything else can uh, it can happen, I you know, if, if you have a great uh, point guard and a big to go with it, you can do yeah. damage. Uh, So, listen, Aaron, great stuff as always. I'm glad we caught up with you tonight. Uh, It's interesting to see what happens with college football. I'm scared to death for it Uh, with these conference-only schedules. I'm not sure I'm buying that it's going to work. I mean, the world's – it's like it's ending. I was at the gym today uh, swimming, and I saw this chick, and she said, what do you think is going to happen? I said, I think we're going to start eating each other soon. (laughs) I think there's going to be (laughs) – Walking Dead zombies, and uh, they're gonna cancel school. We're never gonna. I, I was told tonight we're not allowed to go to New York City, we'll get quarantined. I mean, this is like apocalyptic. I can't even keep up with it, but I, at least I can find Aaron Torres still. Thank God. Hey, dude, I love you. Be cool. We'll catch up soon. All right, all right, thanks, Scotty. Man, be safe out there. All right, all right, Aaron Torres out in Lipstick City, uh, with Fox Sports and the Aaron Torres uh, podcast. He's a good friend of the show, always liked having him on. Uh, All the games today uh, for me in the NBA and just watching them, you know, I just wanted to say they all sucked. (laughs) I hated every game. I hated everything in the NBA. uh, I hated the NHL. I hated the Penguin game more than anything else. Oilers and Blackhawks are tied at twos right now in the second period. There's still hockey going on, believe it or not. And the Celtics ended up blowing out the nets. Uh, Tomorrow, tons of games. I'll try to break down some of those for you next on the bench. All right, real quick, Canucks Wild tomorrow, Caps Flyers, uh, Vegas and St. Louis, Leafs, Jagets, Flames, Jets, and then just uh for your edification, tomorrow, Heat Bucks, Lakers Rockets, Pelicans Kings, Pacers, Suns, Clips, Mavs, and Blazers Nuggets, uh, those are all tomorrow. Uh Morenzi's coming up next, sports rage, uh, Morenzi, honestly, I'm leaving here right now. I'm going to go to the GW Bridge and kill myself after the Penguins blew the three-one lead to Montreal tonight. I'm going to go kill myself. It's been nice knowing you.
5: You know, it's been a, it's been a uh, it's been an interesting series, has it? it's had a little bit of uh, everything. In which you know Pittsburgh were the better team for the first uh, two games, but Montreal really came on in the third period of Game Two, and it continued into this evening, and then they sort of gave it up. Uh, but the Penguins, uh, you know, they're behind the eight ball right now. 80% of the time, the team that wins a game three of a five-game series uh, goes on uh, to win. Pittsburgh just don't seem to be deep enough. They seem to be a little bit flat uh, right now. And, you know, you got a problem when Montreal is the more physical team, uh, Scotty. You, you know, it, like, honestly, I know the Montreal Canadiens inside out. The Canadians always lose to, like, the Bruins in the playoffs. Like, they'll lose to a physical hockey team. And it's actually the Canadians who are being more physical with the Penguins. And the Penguins are sort of playing right into the Canadians' hands. And they have the better goaltender in Carey Price.
1: Yeah, I don't know about the Penguins don't have depth. I think the Penguins have – I think they got double the talent that Montreal does and depth. I think that uh, I'd agree with you about uh, being physical and chippy and getting – a lot of uh, calls and and power plays tonight. They got a lot of that. But I don't know about Penguins don't have depth. They got a ton of players. They got a lot of star players beyond just Crosby and Malkin. But the bottom line is they're they're wussies. Uh, You're up 3-1 in a game. You've got to win the game. I don't care if you're playing God, Satan, or the uh, Canadians. Have a good show. Sports Rates coming up next. I'll see you tomorrow on Coast to Coast.